Free Trail fam, bonjour from Chamonix, France. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It is officially UTMB week, and we are here to enjoy the spectacle and share our love for this amazing sport and this amazing event with you, the global trail running community, trail fans worldwide. This is a special time of year, and we are so happy to be here to enjoy it in person. We're going to be doing a daily show each morning recording in the heart of Chamonix covering all the major stories of this year's race. It is a special week-long series we're calling Good Morning Mont Blanc, which you're listening to now. Each day we'll have a star-studded group of rotating co-hosts to share their expert perspectives about the fields, the conditions, the races, and the results as they happen throughout the week. We're also going to be doing a ton of pre- and post-race interviews with some of the main contenders and the top performers. So make sure you're subscribed here or to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single second of our coverage. We are grateful for your support. We really hope you'll follow along and share it with your friends. Finally, thank you to Hoka and Camelback for making the shows possible this week. Make sure you play fantasy, fantasy fantasy.freetrail.com for a chance to win prize packages from these awesome brands. Thank you all so much for listening. Have an amazing UTMB week. Jim Walmsley, you champion, 2023 winner of UTMB, now the course record holder. Thank you for coming over, buddy, and congratulations. How are you feeling today? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, I'm actually body wise, I'm actually feeling really good. So maybe just an indication training was decent, handling the the volume that's UTMB, but uh, it's definitely like sinking in and doesn't feel real. Yeah, I mean, you rode your bike over here, man. I would be immobile if I had just put together the performance you did. I've always been immobile, but like, and I say every ultra, the recovery is always unique and different. Yeah. But uh, so far, this one's off to a good recovery and that uh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. Since Champagne-Lac, everything's just gotten better, better, better. Yeah. Uh, I know the doping control... At first, uh, they were only giving me water. I'm like, oh, no. But then finally, they brought in some food. So pretty quickly, I was able to get in some calories along with yeah. like just slam four bottles of water because Jess is like, do not take over six hours again <laughs> at Durban <laughs> Control because I have some pretty epically bad uh, time to pee after Western really? States that has not been great. It's funny. You know, Katie Scheid was in here for a pre-race interview and I was talking to her about the recovery after Western States building to OCC. And she made the comment that recovery always goes better when the race goes well. So the yeah. fact that recovery is off to a good start for you is probably a reflection yeah. of deep personal satisfaction of what you're able to achieve yesterday. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know the yeah. yeah. Uh, things are off to a good start. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive into it. First question for you, Jim. When is the Strava going up? When it's are up? You? No, but I mean uh, like the back. whole training block. Oh, backlogging, uploading it. Yes. Maybe. Or do I just, I don't know. Uh, just, all right. Well, so here's the thing that I wanted to talk to you about. You know, Ryan was obviously supposed to be there at Worlds shooting you yeah. in June. You pulled out because of an ankle injury. Yeah. You've been open about that, but I haven't heard you talk about sort of what happened there because you may know that like in the circles of professional ultra runners, 
there was wild speculation of like, ah, oh, Jim, you know, he's hurt. He pulled out of Worlds. Who knows if he's even going to start at UTMB? Tell us all about that period, that injury, how you're able to build back, yeah. and you know, to what extent your your training was compromised. Um, so I ended up tearing two ligaments and partially tearing two and completely tearing one ligament, which was really bad. But at the same time, I guess for the tear that I did have, um, it was about best case scenario, uh, non-intrusive recovery time off. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like I wouldn't have expected that would be possible. And then it was a non, it was a very strange ligament, um, that Mm. tore, uh, because I rolled over the top of a rock in a weird way. Um, so it just, my ankle was really compromised to get a lot worse injury if I continued because my week after I took three days off, I think the second day after that ankle roll, uh, I finally knocked out a bucket list and rode over a hundred miles on Zwift, uh, because I wasn't running. I wasn't going to run, but, uh, I needed some time off for the ankle, but the riding was okay immediately. And Mm -hmm. so I did that, but then straight back into training, thinking that Worlds was still on, not a big deal. But mainly the biggest red flag during it was that I could get the swelling down in my ankle at times, but it was always coming back. Mm -hmm. And it was just something was really irritated more than just got hurt, recovered, good. Like you just need to take it careful and keep going because that's usually how an ankle roll's been. This one was more something might be worse wrong with it. So it, it was a bad one. Um, and more or less the stability in my ankle was compromised enough that it just wasn't, uh, possible to take the risk to run or just train, continue to train for worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and the instability was causing other problems in my lower leg. So, uh, yeah, things got shut down to almost a month of zero running. Um, so sometime in May through June and then just the beginning of June was starting to run again because you start calculating how long it's going to take just to build up your body. Were you nervous that it was going to compromise this build towards you? I mean, at and- first I thought it was going to compromise nothing that worlds was going to go on. Training was going to go on. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm just almost denying it for the longest time and not realizing till June's coming along and just going, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. And even doctors were saying like, oh yeah, you could start running. But even myself, I knew it's not reacting good. Mm -hmm. If I started right now, I didn't have a good feeling that it would be good. So I actually took another week or two longer than after PT and doctors said to start trying to run because it just still didn't feel right. And then, uh, yeah, then it felt right. So I started up slowly. Um, but does it feel like a blessing at this point? Like that you had that little bit of a blip because it sort of came around at the perfect time to then yeah. put in the final block. I mean I think it's it's always really convenient to twist inconveniences or unfortunate to misfortune to fortune yeah. yep. and I think as a competitive or elite mindset you got to take the misfortune and turn it into a positive and yeah so this one was a not how I would have planned the year but um you look back and you're just like well that was a race we skipped energy we saved freshness were coming into this whole block and I definitely felt more fresh for this UTMB block than years past coming off of racing in June. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the race by Le Chapieu. You, Tom, Zach had broken away from the pack and established yourself at the front of the race. 
Tom eventually falls apart after Lot Cambal basically drops out in Cormier. You and Zach leave Cormier in quick succession, maybe separated by a minute or so. Still about a minute at the Bretonne, I think, just from memory. Zach was in here earlier today and he sort of described the moment where he caught you very close to Bonatti. And yeah. on your on your Strava today, you were saying you were sort of fighting some demons there, sort of getting flashbacks of past UTMBs where things started to deteriorate. What was going through your head? Well, there? how fast Zach passed me had me questioning if it was kind of demons or what, or yeah. like, was I falling apart or not? And I was very interested before the race on specifically Breton to Arnuva. So I actually knew quite a few splits and remembered quite a few times. And I took a split after Breton to check and I didn't run as fast as I would have liked, but I think I was only a minute and a half to less than two minutes slower than last year. But last year I pulled away from Killian in that section. So I was like, it's not bad, but I mean, Zach, I, I wasn't hanging on to his back wheel and like being able to press enough to go with him. So, uh, yeah, it had me questioning things, but then trying to have some confidence that, no, I think things might be okay. And, Zach's having a day or he's taking too big of a risk or something, but um, it seemed like I actually was fortunate to have that data to be able Mm -hmm. in my head to remember that that gave me some confidence that things are okay, stay in there, it's fine. But but then before, uh, like around more like Lafouli and stuff, uh, it went from like having some confidence that things were okay to... Uh, I think I'm in trouble. Really? Yeah. Okay, so let's go to La Folie, to Champagne. Because yeah, Zach- it was all management in between, yep. like after Zach passing me to... So to, yeah, with how things played out, after the fact, my speculation was, okay, Jim learned his lesson from the couple times where he's dropped Francois and Killian going over the Grand Colferet and hammering yeah. down off the backside into Switzerland. And I don't think I've actually ever put a time gap on Francois at UTMB. Okay. Excuse me. I've gotten Killian on a gap, but then I remember uh, the Killian moment. I remember because I was doing the commentary from my basement in the U S last year, just after our son was born and I was freaking out just like, okay, this is Jim's section going off the backside of Grand Colferre, super runnable downhill. Like if he can get time on Killian here, this is really a shot. Obviously it didn't play out that way. And so my, my instinct was like, oh, he's, he waited till Champé-Lac to hit the gas. Turned out that wasn't the case, but backing up a step, I wanted you to describe the moment with Germain because we were all watching it on the live stream. You, you definitely weren't looking great, especially yeah. compared to Germain and Zach. And when he caught you, it seemed to be the spark that you needed. Take us into that moment. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was a specific moment because I heard there was around a three minutes back uh, after La Foulie, or maybe at La Foulie, three minutes. And then as I'm climbing up to Champé-Lac, I heard one minute, and then I could see a runner back on the road. I could see it was a tan pair of North Face shorts, but I didn't know who. I was actually thinking it might have been one of the Chinese athletes at first. Um, but then eventually I heard it was a French athlete, and I was like, and then it clicked, and I'm like, oh, that's got to be Germain. I'm like, yeah. oh, cool, he's having a good one. And we've become a bit of friends, and when he became close enough, because there's some switchbacks that we were going up, 
we had one switchback only between us. So we finally made some eye contact and just, it actually, I think fortunate for me, unfortunate for him maybe, but, uh, just kind of sparked some positivity that I knew him and he was moving up and like, wow, he, he could, he's still in position where he could win. Yeah. Um, and so made eye contact, smiled and said, salut. And, uh, <laughs> I think he kind of laughed at that, but, um, there was also a bit where I realized he's not moving that much better than me. Like, why am I thinking things are falling apart? Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of like, uh, he, he looks just as rough as I feel. So let's just try to cling on to him going forward and like, just be tough right now. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, that kind of turned things around combined with like a big reset at Champe Lock. Talk with, about that. What was that yeah. reset? Well, in this race, you know, um, there's Cormier and Champé-Lac, which are crucial for adjustments basically in the race. And they're two um, aid stations that come after six, basically six hours in the dark um, sort of stuff. But this one, you're, uh, you're transitioning from night to day. So you can get rid of some of your cold weather gear, some of your heavier headlights, because um, typically I'm carrying like the mandatory gear is like not getting touched and I have everything in a pack. Yep. Um, so like my main torch is not part of that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, did that, you switch into a cooler shirt for the daytime temperatures, uh, sunglasses on <laughs> hat instead of a beanie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a chance to get some real food in again, have a little pep talk from Jess, uh, but it was some chips, uh, some cashews, getting in some uh, liquid caffeine. And uh, I saw Germain leaving the aid station. It was just like, I need to go when he's going because I don't have momentum and he does. Hell yes, dude. So and then, so I was just piggybacking yeah. him. So then you go out of the aid station. You didn't even have your pack on, I recall. You're like yeah. running out, sort of putting your yeah, pack on. Yeah, I told on. Jess I got to go. Yep. And... It was the exact opposite of 2017, where in Champé-Lac you spent like an hour or something, yeah, and yeah. then you at least you 30 left, minutes. You yeah. left very slowly, and I ended up passing you on yeah. the road, leaving Champé-Lac. You're barely moving. As soon as you hit that tarmac, leaving Champé-Lac, you started <laughs> flying, and holy shit, Jim! Like yeah, the legs were there. If you think about what you did on that climb and descent between Champé-Lac and Trient. Like that's going to go down in history, bro. Like Zach had 11 minutes on you leaving Champé-Lac. Yeah. And then you had like two or three by the time you entered the aid station at Trient. Like the race was yours at that point. The momentum shifted. Yeah. yeah. So I, I watched the replay of you passing Zach and it didn't seem like there was much opportunity for exchange. I, I asked Zach about this too, but if there's anything you want to share about that moment of like retaking the lead at yeah. UTMB, especially just knowing what's on the line at that point, you know, that's huge stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, no other competitor on the line besides Zach wanted it more <laughs> and did not want to let, a late pass happened. We, and I think we almost both empathize with each other where we've had just these melt, not melt. Yeah. A little bit of meltdown or just misfortune late in races and falling apart and like, Oh, you, you had a chance. Um, 
And even at one point during the night, I think I was really tempted just to tell Zach, like, if it's not me, I hope it's you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's between the American men. Uh, yeah. I think at first, you rewind five, six years ago, we're all like, I want it to be me. But then now we've all had several tries, and it's like, anyone. Somebody do <laughs> like, it. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's becoming a little bit more of a group pack effort. But uh, I mean, last year plus this year, we're having front packs of English speakers of just like, this is weird. Yeah. Uh, Where when we first got here, the front pack was definitely uh, non-English speakers. So um, things like that have changed in the recent year, just last year and this year, really. Yeah. Um, But uh, the main debate when I caught well, I could see Zach and I think we're also both in similar things where we both like front running and not many times are we actually hunting late. Yeah. Um, so we both had some interesting things with, with that because I had a gap on Zach a bit after Cormier and he was able to catch back up and pass and have that momentum. But this one, the debate being at that point in the race was to sit and try to conserve and regroup and see if I go later or attack. But um, no, I, I think I was, I just went with the intuition yeah. and just kept, kept pushing of like, I don't know how long it's lasting, but I'm going to take this energy right now. Yeah. And you looked so good. So then fast forwarding to Valor scene, there was a goosebumps exchange with you and your good friend, four-time champion Francois, who was crewing for you there, who said, don't take any risks. Zach has exploded. Germain has exploded. I didn't believe that Finish for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so if there's anything you want to say about that specific spot or your friendship with Francois, you know, just sort of tying the story together before we get to the finish line. Yeah. Um, definitely a special moment. I think, uh, this whole journey has been uniquely shaped by the relationship with Francois and very special moment to have the luxury to go, you stay strong, you, you will get this. And basically like, yeah, if you play conservative from here, uh, you'll be all right. Go, go finish the job. Um, but I'm very fear motivated and I was, no, it was, it was, we're going to push until we definitely know. So, um, pretty much up to La Flagere was push, push. And then it was more conservative on the descent, followed by finally maybe the sigh of relief when I finally heard a, a split from the top of La Flagere at the bottom. I was like, okay, they didn't gain time back because someone would have had to catch fire at the end. And I knew Is I was, that what you were thinking? Because hey, you, I, I believe dude, you ran could the whole way fire. up to the Flagere. Like I've never well, seen anybody do that. It, and I scouted it and I made the decision that walking is so much, or hike. We're not allowed to say walking. We're power hiking. Hiking. <laughs> and uh, the pace difference is so significant because the gradient actually on the change of the course is not steep enough. Yeah. Uh, it's not steep enough. Yeah. Uh, but I, I found that it, it undulates a lot, but most of it, you need to just tap, 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 yeah. tap. Uh, to keep a better pace and the the pace difference would be significantly better to tap 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 and if you're motivated enough I think it's just at that point it's almost more motivation no one's able to do it but um, so impressive I mean you were the only person who did that so 
dude, then you drop down into town to a hero's welcome. Yeah. Well, you have to have the the football and not fumble it through yeah. all the arms trying yes. to tackle you. Uh, I mean, take us into the moment, bro. Yeah, the high fives are hard to run through. <laughs> and it started like almost two miles, uh, not two at least a mile out from the finish, you just start getting a tunnel of people wanting high fives. And when you're doing two high fives on each side, it's, it just kills your part. <laughs> like, so, but there's so much, and you know, everybody's there to like, just have this ambiance and excitement for the first finishers of yeah. UTMB. So, um, I, in our sport, there's nothing like it. I know. It's amazing. Um, and, there's a couple sports that have some events like this, but UTMB, it's exploded. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it in our careers from where mm-hmm. we started. I mean, this is big. Yeah, It's truly on a spectacular world level of like compared to other sports ambiance, like it's crazy. Yeah. Dude, I'm cognizant of the fact you have to get to the awards ceremony here pretty soon. Yeah, so, French time. It's French time, okay. C'est bon, c'est bon. So, I mean, there was... Clearly, you know, it was emotional at the finish line and I'm sure it's like barely settling in now, but like you and Jess flipped your lives upside down to chase this goal. Does it, what does it feel like now that it's done? I mean, you yeah. freaking did it, man. Well, and, it's not done. I mean, France has grown on us more that we would like you to know spend what I more mean, time though. here. You know what I mean? You There's for, a nice end of the chapter. Remember the last time you were on the podcast, you said, I'm viewing this as a two-year project. Yeah. UTMB and it took two years. It's a storybook. Well, the stress was still really high with, I mean, it wasn't just training out here. It's technically we're, right. we're immigrating because we're staying here long enough. We need to do legal paperwork to stay here longer and figure things out. So there was a lot of like just baseline stress that after UTMB last year, we still had this level of stress that we could sense that we thought it was just the race, but it was actually still not being good enough at speaking French and not having everything figured out. So now with the UTMB championship, they should elect you to parliament <laughs> at this point. I'm sure they will be giving you permanent residency. If not, make you president it, of the country. Yeah. We're, we're hoping to split time a little more between the U S and France, the, yeah. the outdoor access here of like where we live and being able to run from the door and activities from skiing to running trail running. Uh, it's hard to compare it in the U S I mean, it starts to, I mean, just the reality is like in the U S for places that are that established, it's just unaffordable. Yeah. So here it's, it's more affordable. Yeah. Cool. All right, so you did it, man, and we're so happy for you, and we're so proud of you, all of us who have been around the sport for a long time, been able to watch this amazing career you've had and adding this. Actually, kind of a cool exchange with Scott Jurek even almost like seemed like he had a sigh of relief of like, what? And he's like, someone had to get it done eventually, and it's just like, you know, he talked on that's pretty cool. He talked on the broadcast about how. James Bonet reached out to him and asked him to have a conversation with you after you famously missed the turn uh, and yeah, got lost. Yeah, I remember on, that. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so cool. And man, like... Also, my whole finish too, everybody's like, oh, good job, you did it. And then I was talking with some friends uh, just this morning. I'm like, people 
can't say that. Like, you are they just forgetting I'm the guy that like missed the wrong turn at the end of Western <laughs> States? Like, uh, uh-uh, it's not done till it's done. So, uh, right. yeah, keep going. Yeah. So I'd hate to ask you about what's next, but I read the Trail Runner article that you did with Brian Metzler before the okay. race, and uh, you made it clear that you have ambitions to return to Western States. That's the idea right now. But that would require you to probably either go to Nice next month to run the 100K or maybe go to Havelina. Yeah, maybe go to Havelina. Uh, I wouldn't be Havelina because yeah. Havelina, it's, it's two months away. So yeah. all of a sudden, it's another training block. Yeah. Where Nice, the idea would be recover just, a little bit of like not so much fitness, but just some good feelings in training. And then you just race again and just hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, the other, well, I'd have to make more plans if uh, Nice didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to throw out any other options. But uh, that's an idea right now because Jess, Jess has really made a big sacrifice of, uh, she's missed a lot of her community back in flag, um, mm. to, to train with and run with and more isolation. And like, at least my move has been more goal oriented and my own personal ambitions, but, um, she's really made a bigger sacrifice in that. And so next year, the plans to spend more time back in flags after the beginning of the, the year. And, um, so yeah, might as well try yeah. to make some races around some of that. I'm glad you mentioned that about Jess. And I was chatting with her last night at the Hoka party. Also just sort of shaking my head and just basically saying, Oh my God, you guys did it. Holy smokes. <laughs> and I'm sure this is, feels like as much a win for her as it does. Yeah. For you. I mean, she's nailed the crew all day yeah. too. Like <laughs> it's just a direct contribute yeah. like to being faster on the day that matters. Yeah. Well, Jim, I could chat with you for hours. You got to be at the award ceremony literally in three minutes. So we're going to let you go, but congratulations on winning the UTMB and thanks for making the time. Appreciate it, Debo.